0: hey y'all hey 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 welcome back this is tina smooth radio for those who don't know me i am a life coach a mentor and a motivational speaker um i want to get on here and encourage y'all to keep listening till we get all the way to the end we are now about to be on chapter nine if i'm not mistaken i think it's 12 chapters in the king of Principle. um book by dr miles monroe i think it's either 11 or 12 so we don't got that much longer with the book so but you always can catch it on the replay if you missed it you can catch all the chapters on a replay because i feel like this book is very important i feel like this book kind of breaks down certain scriptures in the bible for uh, for for us to understand you know make it easy for even a baby to understand amen so i want y'all to keep Getting the knowledge so we can make sure that we're living the way God wants us to live. And not the way man wants us to live in Jesus' name. We have to live the way God wants us to live. So without further ado, we're about to get right into chapter 9. Enjoy.
1: Chapter 9. Kingdom concept number six, understanding the kingdom concept of keys. Every nation and social civil society functions on laws and customs that make that society work. These functions depend on the constitution and a body law that create a context and reference for social behavior and relating to the government and other members of the society. The result is a culture of laws and principles that serve as regulations, values, morals, and standards that govern the citizen's relationship with the authority structure and its disposition as it relates to expectations within the constitutional framework. In essence, all nations and kingdoms contain inherent principles and laws that must be adhered to by each citizen in order for the citizen to benefit from his citizenship privileges and rights. These laws and principles are called by Jesus, keys of the kingdom. Have you ever found some old keys lying around your house and couldn't remember what they were for? Possessing a key you cannot identify or match to a particular lock is as bad as not having a key at all. What good are keys you can't use? They are as useless as locks you can't open. This is exactly the problem with many believers today. We have a big bunch of keys called scriptures that most of us don't know how to use. We have the keys we don't know which key unlocks which lock. It's like having all of this information, but not knowing how to use it. Having all of this power available to us, but not knowing how to apply it. Knowledge of the Word of God is important, but insufficient by itself for effective living as a believer. This is because most believers lack a proper kingdom mindset. Life in the kingdom is really about returning to the governing authority of God in the earth, and learning how to live and function in that authority. Part of understanding the kingdom is learning how to use the keys of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is God's desire and purpose for us. Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Luke 12, 32 Our Father, the King of heaven, has given us the kingdom. It is ours. In fact, Jesus himself brought the kingdom to us. It was his main purpose in coming to earth in human flesh. We receive the kingdom through his death. The moment we turn from our rebellion against God and place our trust in Christ to salvage us from the consequences of that rebellion, we become naturalized citizens of the kingdom of heaven with all the rights, benefits, and privileges that come with it. But how do we appropriate our rights? How do we enter into the full enjoyment of our benefits and privileges? What are the keys to effective living in the kingdom? Keys of the Kingdom One day Jesus asked his disciples, his inner circle of twelve most intimate followers, the most important question he would ever ask them. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 16, 13-19 In the Jewish faith of that day, the titles Christ and Son of the Living God were reserved exclusively for the Messiah, the Deliverer of Israel and Hope of the World, who had been prophesied for centuries. So Simon Peter here was confessing his belief that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus tells Peter that he did not arrive at this knowledge through his own understanding. It was given to him through supernatural revelation. Then Jesus says that upon the rock of Peter's confession of faith, he will build his church. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, a word that is widely misunderstood. Because it is translated here as church, most people believe that ekklesia is a religious word. It is not. Ekklesia is a governmental term. It literally means called out ones, and was used by the Greeks to refer to the Senate or other political groups that were chosen by the Democrat or government. The Greeks invented the concept of democracy, but never really applied it. But when the Romans overran the Greek Empire, they adopted much of Greek thought and philosophy, including democracy, and developed them. This is how Caesar developed such a powerful government. In the Roman Empire, the senate, the ecclesia, was like the cabinet in a modern democracy. The senate was the powerhouse. These individuals were hand-picked by the emperor to receive his thoughts, his desires, his passion, and his intent. Their job was to take the mind of the king and turn it into legislation that could be implemented in the kingdom. In other words, they were to know his mind and see that everything he wished was carried out. This meant that they had to stay in close contact with him. They had to talk to him, and he had to give them information about what he wanted in the kingdom. The fact that Jesus used ecclesia to describe the body of followers that he was establishing tells us two things. First, the word church itself is a political rather than a religious term. And second, this entire discussion about keys and about binding and loosing is not a religious but a political discussion. In effect, Jesus was saying, In the same way that Caesar is lord of his government, and has created his senate, his ecclesia, his cabinet, I also will build my cabinet on the fact that I am the Christ, the anointed king, the lord of lords, and son of the living God. He said to Peter, Upon the rock of your confession of who I am, I will build my government, I will build my senate, my cabinet, my administrators who will carry out my wishes and my will. So, Jesus established not a religion, but a political force. The Ecclesia, therefore, is a secret group entrusted with secret information critical for the operation of the kingdom. This group will be so powerful that even the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Another way to translate that phrase is the gates of Hades will not prove stronger than it. Even hell itself will not be as strong as the Ecclesia that Jesus is establishing. What is this secret information that Jesus gives his cabinet? He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He gives them, gives us, the keys of the kingdom, not the keys to the kingdom. As kingdom citizens, we are already in the kingdom. We don't need the keys to it. What we need and what Jesus has given us are the keys of the kingdom, the keys that will unlock the power of the kingdom and make it work in our lives. Kingdom citizens and only kingdom citizens have these keys. Citizenship in the kingdom is a prerequisite for getting them. What this means is that we who are kingdom citizens are supposed to be operating on a level that blows other people's minds we should have access to a power that mystifies those who are not yet in the kingdom. We are supposed to be living life at a certain level where we are tapping into resources that others cannot explain. Knowledge of the Secrets The key to keys is not having keys. The key to keys is knowledge, knowing what the keys are for and how to use them. On another occasion, Jesus told his cabinet, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Luke 8:10a The kingdom of heaven is not a secret society, but its keys have to be learned. A secret is anything you don't know, especially if someone else does. Miracles fall into this category. A miracle is something that humans cannot explain, an event or occurrence that seems to defy the laws of nature. These men had seen Jesus walk on water, heal the sick, raise the dead, shrivel a tree by speaking to it, calm a storm, multiply bread, and many other miraculous things that were beyond the ken of human experience. But to Jesus, none of these were miracles. He said, these are no miracles, I'm just using keys. I know how to put them in the locks, and they are unlocking prosperity, unlocking healing, unlocking peace, unlocking authority. Watch me, and you will see the kingdom at work, and also how it should work for you. My Father has given you the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. I will teach you how to use the keys. Jesus left no doubt that the kingdom was supposed to work for his ecclesia just as it worked for him, for on the night before his death he told them, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father." You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. John fourteen twelve through 14 Jesus' ecclesia, which includes us, was going to do the same things he was doing, and more, because the Holy Spirit, who would come after he was gone, would teach them the keys of the kingdom and how to use them. One significant key is embedded in this passage, the key to opening the warehouse of heaven. The key that opens that lock is prayer. Asking in Jesus' name, and whatever and anything we ask will be done. That is a wide-open promise. But it is not a way to gratify our own selfish wants and desires. We must use the right key. We must ask in Jesus' name, according to His will, and in line with His purpose. That is what will open heaven's floodgates. The twelve disciples of Jesus had already seen this key activated in unforgettable fashion the day Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. The crowd had been with Jesus all day listening to his teaching. Now it was late in the day, and they were hungry. Jesus' disciples suggested he send them away into the villages to get food. But Jesus has another idea. He was preparing to teach them how to use a key. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. Matthew fourteen sixteen through 21 emphasis added. Jesus used this situation to test his disciples to see if they picked up on the secrets. He said, You feed them. That was the test. They should have asked, Which key do we use? Instead, they said, All we have is... They were limited by what they could see. But in the kingdom of heaven, we walk not by sight, but by faith. The lesson Jesus wanted them, and us, to learn is that when you know the keys to the kingdom secrets, you will never again say, All I have is... Look at the progression. Jesus looked up toward heaven and gave thanks. He put in the key of prayer and unlocked the warehouse. Then he broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and they distributed it among the people. It should work for us the same way. Through prayer in Jesus' name, the key, we unlock heaven's warehouse. The king himself draws forth from its abundance and gives it to us, and we then give it to others. But we have to know the key that opens the warehouse. That knowledge is Christ's promise to us. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Seven Principles of Keys Knowledge leads to understanding. Once we know the principles behind keys, we can understand how they work in the kingdom. There are several principles that define the properties of keys. One, keys represent authority. If you possess a key to a place, it means you have authority in that place. Suppose your boss entrusts you with a key to the store or the office. By doing so, he shows not only that he trusts you, but also that he has delegated a certain amount of authority to you. The key to your house means you have authority there. The key to your car gives you authority to drive whenever you want to. Christ says, I am giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I am giving you authority in heaven, the same authority I have. What an awesome gift. Few of us have done more than just scratch the surface in learning what this means. 2. Keys represent access. A key gives you instant access to everything that key opens. The secret is in knowing what the key opens. The keys of the kingdom of heaven give us immediate access to all the resources of heaven. But we have to know how to use them. So often we limit ourselves by trusting or believing only in what we can see with our eyes or reason out with our minds. A kingdom mindset completely changes our perspective. When a pagan king sent his army to capture the Hebrew prophet Elisha, The prophet's servant was terrified one morning to find the army surrounding the city. "'O my Lord, what shall we do?' the servant asked. "'Don't be afraid,' the prophet answered. "'Those who are with us are more than those who are with them.' And Elisha prayed, "'O Lord, open his eyes so he may see.' Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, "Strike these people with blindness." So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. 2 Kings 6:15b through 18. Elisha's servant was frightened by what he saw around him, but he didn't have a key. Elisha had a key unlocked heaven and brought down an angelic host to protect them the prophet tapped into a principle that took him to a system that made that pagan army look like toy soldiers by comparison. When you have the keys of the kingdom, you have no lack and no crisis, because the king is greater than them all. Jesus said he would teach us to walk in that kind of authority, access, and confidence. Three, keys represent ownership. Possession of a key gives you de facto ownership of whatever that key opens. Therefore, When you possess the keys of the kingdom of heaven, you have ownership of heaven on earth. Jesus said, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, you own on earth whatever is going on in heaven. This means that you should never judge how your life is going simply by your circumstances. Suppose you get laid off from your job. It would be easy to get scared and stressed out because you have a family and bills to pay and no money. That's your circumstances. As a kingdom citizen with the keys of the kingdom, however, you have ownership of heaven on earth. You can be confident and even rejoice in the prospect of a bright future because you have a source of supply and provision that those outside the kingdom cannot even conceive. So go have a prosperity party. The king is preparing to bless and prosper you from a completely unexpected direction. When you own the resources of the king, You are never destitute. Four, keys represent control. If you possess the key to something, you control it. You control when it opens, when it closes, and who gets access to it. A key helps you control time. In other words, you decide whether to open it up at 8 or 10 or 6 or whenever. This gives you control over when something comes. If you need something now, you operate a key. One day, the Hebrew prophet Elijah met a poor widow gathering sticks at the town gate. This was during a severe drought. He asked her for a drink of water and a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar, and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me, from what you have, and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family for the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. 1 Kings 17:12 through 16 The truth of the widow's circumstances was that she and her son were about to starve. Elijah approaches and makes a bold, some might even say selfish, request. I know you don't have much, but feed me first, and then yourself and your son. Trust in the Lord. He will take care of you. This was not selfishness. Elijah was offering the woman a key. Once she took it, she had control. By faith and obedience, she unlocked heaven's larder and brought down for herself and her family supernatural provision that sustained them until the drought ended. Her entire life and mindset shifted from the circumstances of want and privation to a kingdom perspective of unlimited abundance. 5. Keys Represent Authorization This is similar to number one. Authorization means to be given the authority to act in the name or in the stead of whoever gave you the authority. The boss authorized me to do this. Possession of keys means that you are authorized to act in the name and authority of the one who owns the keys. By giving us the keys of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus gives us the authority to influence heaven. He has authorized us to act in His name and on His authority to request whatever we wish that is in accordance with His will and purpose. 6. Keys represent power. Whoever gives you keys gives you power at the same time. This is similar to control. You have control, power, over whatever you possess the keys for. If you know how to use the keys, whatever they unlock is at your disposal. The keys to your house give you the power to come and go and to allow or disallow others to enter. When Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom, he gave us power in heaven. Whatever we bind on earth affects heaven. Whatever we loose on earth affects heaven. Whatever we close on earth, heaven closes. Do we really have that much power as kingdom citizens? Yes. The king does not want us to live as victims of the earth system, so he has given us the ability to tap into a realm that is invisible, but absolutely real, and can literally affect the physical earth. This is why Christ was able to live an abundant life in times of crisis. He had power from heaven, and he has given that power to us. 7. Keys represent freedom. When you have keys, you are free to go in and out. You are free to lock and unlock, to open and close. The keys of the kingdom give us freedom from fear and all the other limiting emotions of an earthly system. I used to wonder why Jesus was so carefree, so calm, and so in control, no matter what was happening around him. It was because he had the key of freedom. One day, Jesus was asleep in the back of a boat, while his cabinet, some of whom were fishermen, sailed it across the Sea of Galilee. As happens frequently on that body of water, a severe storm blew up suddenly. The storm was so fierce that even the experienced sailors aboard feared that the boat was going to sink. How could Jesus sleep through such a crisis? Their lives were in danger, and he was snoozing in the stern. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Matthew eight twenty-five through 27 Jesus said, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? In essence, he was saying, What's the matter? Where are your keys? Then he took out a key, locked up the storm, and it stopped. In amazement, the disciples asked, What kind of man is this? Just a man with keys. The keys of the kingdom are the keys to ultimate truth, the knowledge of which brings true liberty. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 31b-32 By teaching, Jesus is not referring so much to scripture verses as much as the principles, laws, and precepts contained in those verses. Freedom comes in knowing the truth. Truth alone is not what sets you free. What sets you free is the truth you know. The keys of the kingdom can bring you into the knowledge of the truth. Seven Characteristics of Keys 1. Keys are laws. They are fixed, reliable standards that never change. When used correctly, they always work. 2. Keys are principles. When Jesus spoke of the keys of the kingdom, he wasn't talking about literal physical keys to open physical locks. The keys of the kingdom are principles, systems that operate under fixed laws. When he gives us the keys, he gives us the principles by which the kingdom of heaven operates. We gain access to the systems that make the kingdom of heaven work. And once we learn the laws, the system, and the principles, all of heaven will be available to us. 3. Keys are systems. Every government runs on systems, the social system, the economic system, the political system, the educational system, the telecommunication system, and so forth. Knowledge of the systems and how they work is the key to power and influence. Control the systems, and you control the government. Disrupt the systems, and you disrupt the government. Destroy the systems, and you destroy the nation. That's how powerful systems are. Even more, that's how powerful knowledge can be. The systems of the kingdom of heaven are beyond the reach of those outside the kingdom and are in no danger of being disrupted or destroyed. Kingdom citizens, on the other hand, have access to those systems and can bring the influence of kingdom systems to bear in earthly situations. That is why kingdom citizens can rest confident in victory and success no matter what circumstances may suggest. So the most important thing any of us could do is to make sure we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Four, keys activate function. A car operates on gasoline. The key of gasoline activates the function of the car. Without gasoline, the car will not run, no matter how many other keys you have. Likewise, a radio with no receiver cannot fulfill its function of converting radio waves into audible sound waves for you to hear. The key of a receiver is missing, and without it, the radio is only an empty, silent box. The box may be pretty, the glass clean and shiny, but it cannot fulfill its purpose because the key to activate its function is not there. To me, religion is like that attractive radio or that stylish but gasless car that does not work. Like them, religion may look beautiful and impressive on the outside with all its regalia and traditions, but it has no keys and therefore lacks the ability and the power to activate kingdom function. The keys of the kingdom activate heaven so that we can fully enjoy our rights and privileges as kingdom citizens. This is far more sure and secure than depending on the systems of the world for our enjoyment. On this point, kingdom ambassador Paul counsels command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 1 Timothy 6:17 The keys of the kingdom allow us to enjoy all the rich and good things of God without measure. 5. Keys initiate action. Just as the key to a car initiates action by starting the engine, the keys of the kingdom, when we know how to use them, initiate action in heaven. 6. Keys are the principles by which the kingdom of God operates. Not only are keys principles, but specifically keys to the operation of the kingdom. They give us access to the blueprints, the schematic, the flow charts, so that we can understand and appropriate the inner workings of the Kingdom of Heaven. 7. Keys cannot be substituted by feelings, emotions, wishful thinking, or manipulation. If you are locked out of your house without a key, no amount of begging or pleading or wishing will make that door open. If your car is out of gas, you can sit behind the wheel and dream and will all you want for it to move but it will stay right where it is. Religion is built on feelings, emotions, wishful thinking, and manipulation. It is different with the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven operates on keys. You can wish and feel and beg and plead all you want, but without the right keys, you will still be locked out of all the things God promised you because feelings don't open doors. Keys do. In the world system, you get ahead by killing Robbing, hurting, manipulating, climbing up on people, using people, stealing, gambling, any way you can. But in the kingdom of heaven, everything is reversed. To get ahead, you must do the opposite of what you do in the world. Instead of getting, you give. Instead of hoarding, you release. Instead of grabbing, you give up. Instead of hating, you love. Instead of every man for himself, you show first regard to others. Yes, this is counterintuitive, but that is the way God's kingdom works. The counterintuitive nature of keys. It is this very counterintuitive quality of the kingdom of heaven that makes it so hard for the world to understand. The kingdom of heaven and the kingdoms of this world operate by completely opposite principles. People raised in the world system cannot comprehend on their own the truly otherworldly nature of God's kingdom. This is why Simon Peter could not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, except by divine revelation. This clash of systems is vividly illustrated by an encounter Jesus had one day with a rich young man who was interested in getting into the kingdom. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Mark 10:17 17-23 Once we get into the kingdom and start functioning properly, we inevitably become prosperous. Prosperity is a natural product of kingdom living. But we must live by the standards of the kingdom in order to prosper in the kingdom. This rich young man had problems with Jesus' conditions because they ran counter to everything he had ever heard and believed about success and prosperity. He simply was not prepared for the counterintuitive command of Jesus to part with everything that he thought made him somebody. This is why Jesus said that it is hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The keys, the principles, the systems of the kingdom are opposite to those of the world from where they acquired their wealth. In other words, the opposite nature of kingdom keys makes it difficult for many people to understand the kingdom. This young man had grown up in a world where you get by taking. He could not understand the principle of a kingdom where you get by giving. Additionally, it is the power of ignorance of kingdom keys that can destroy us. Scripture says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6a. Because of ignorance of kingdom keys, this rich young man did not know how to become richer, so he chose to hold on to wealth that literally was killing him, rather than enter into wealth that could give him life. Coming into the kingdom of God neither makes you poor nor requires you to become poor, but you have to know the keys. This rich man thought he was rich, but was really poor, because he did not understand the nature of true wealth, so he went away sad. A key principle of the kingdom of heaven, on the other hand, is this. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. Proverbs ten twenty two. Once you get the keys of the kingdom and learn how they work, the blessing of God will bring you wealth without sorrow, and he can do it in an instant if he is so inclined. Another factor in the difficulty people have in understanding the kingdom is the danger of the fallen nature of human reasoning. Man's rebellion against God resulted in a corrupted mind and conscience. The way most of us in this world pursue success and wealth and try to get ahead is completely contrary to the principles and laws that God designed into creation. But we are too blinded by our corrupt minds to see it. Like the rich young man, we assume that you must do certain things to succeed. Climb the corporate ladder by walking on people's heads and stepping on their hands. Hurt them. Use them selfishly. Scheme against them. Betray them, lie, cheat, steal, whatever it takes to be a millionaire before the age of 40. Then Jesus comes along and says, If you want real wealth and real success, get rid of all of that. Give it back to the people you got it from, and follow me. The attitude of willingness to part with it all is as important, and perhaps more so, than the actual act. Remember, in the kingdom of heaven we are stewards, not owners. Because of our fallen nature of human reasoning, the principles and keys of the kingdom of God are completely foreign to the way we have been trained to think. That is why the first word Jesus said when he came to announce the kingdom was, Repent. Change the way you think. Principles work, but are not always understood. The rich young man simply could not see how following Jesus' instructions would get him what he wanted. He could not grasp the principle. The keys of the kingdom work, but sometimes even after we learn how to use them, we don't understand how they work. They just do. Principles are established by the manufacturer. Our creator knows his creation. God knows what is best for us. But because of our fallen nature, we are dysfunctional creatures who believe either that there is nothing wrong with us or that whatever is wrong, we can fix ourselves. Counterintuitive wisdom leads us to understand that the keys of the kingdom The principles under which the kingdom operates are also the keys to bringing the life, law, and culture of heaven to earth, even when human logic or reasoning says otherwise. Principles 1. Life in the kingdom is really about returning to the governing authority of God in the earth and learning how to live and function in that authority. 2. The kingdom of heaven is not a secret society, but its keys have to be learned. 3. When you know the keys to the Kingdom Secrets, you will never again say, All I have is... 4. Keys represent authority. 5. Keys represent access. 6. Keys represent ownership. 7. Keys represent control. 8. Keys represent authorization. 9. Keys represent power. 10 keys represent freedom 11 the keys of the kingdom are the keys to ultimate truth the knowledge of which brings true liberty
0: all right all right chapter nine is done winning team um that was great. My little nuggets I got is to activate the kingdom. You got to have faith. You have to be obedient to the kingdom of God. Now, you don't be obedient for the stuff. You be obedient originally because you love God. You don't want to disappoint him. And you, you don't want all the pains that come with being disobedient. Because let me tell you something. God don't have to personally judge you because his laws and principles are already written out. So, therefore... If you go against certain laws and certain principles, all you have to do is read his constitution, which is the Holy Bible. And it'll tell you what happens when you be disobedient. And when you, the wages of sin is death, but Jesus came so we can have life and have it more abundantly. So through Jesus Christ, we have grace, we have mercy, but That don't mean we continue in our sin. Yes, it may take us time to get where we need to be. But that's going to be between us and God or you and God, whoever and God. That's between you all you and God. But eventually, God is going to expect more out of you. He's going to expect you to do more. He's going to expect you to get off that Similac and come on and get with the program. And that's why you got to get in touch with your subconscious mind, which is your soul, your spirit, your soul. You got to get in touch with your soul. When the Bible talks about as a man thinketh, so as it be in his heart, he's talking about his soul, not that heart that beats, but your your soul, your subconscious mind, which is your soul. So you got to get into him with your soul, how you do that. If you don't know how to do that, first, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. No man comes to the father except through the son second you have to believe that he died on the cross for your sins he died for you he died for me he died for the world thirdly you have to ask him to come into your life and to save you come into your heart and to save you and you will be saved if you did that welcome to the winning team welcome to the kingdom it don't have to be me but get with anybody that that you feel like god wants you to get with but you you need your mentor you need you somebody that has done the work so they can help you do the work and give you the tools to do the work um, I love you guys. I do free conference calls every Tuesday at 7 p.m. If you want to attend, email me at booksmoottina at gmail.com. That's booksmoottina at gmail.com. I'm also on YouTube, Tina Smoot. You can like, comment, subscribe, hit that notification bell. I love you, Anchor family. I love you, Winning Team. The Winning Team is on the move, baby. Let's get it. Let's go. I love you guys. Have a great day.